You can be seated. One of the things that uh, we are intentional to do here at Christ the King is to uh, recognize and bless the presence of our children among us. And so uh, when we gather together and uh, when we, there's a little bit more movement, there's a little bit more noise, there's a little bit more shuffling about uh, than we may be used to when uh, all the kids are partitioned off from us. We remember what Jesus said, that his kingdom is made manifest um, in uh, the children's lives who are among us and as we are with them. And so we want to be intentional to recognize their presence among us uh, and to bless them as they are with us. So kids among us, there's a part for you here, this next part in the liturgy on page four. So parents, you can uh, direct your attention to page four. Kids, you got a part. So be ready for it. Children of God, the Lord be with you as you worship. Amen. Let's pray as we continue to worship. God, we thank you that you speak to us, that you haven't abandoned us to figure things out on our own, but that you are with us, and that you want to speak good news to us and invite us deeper into your life and into your presence to make us more like Jesus. So God, we offer ourselves to you, uh, continue to offer ourselves to you now uh, before your word, because we just want to agree with that. We want to be the kinds of people uh, who not only hear your word, but who receive your word and uh, who live differently because of it. So we invite your spirit to come, to illuminate the text for us, to illuminate our lives for us, so that we can be both good hearers and doers of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, I have a question for you. Uh, the question is, what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? What would it look like if someone were to call you blessed? So I know uh, that there are different ways that we can answer that question. You can answer that question with like the way that the world defines what blessing, what the blessed life looks like. Um, you could give me the right answer, the Jesus answer. Uh, but what I want to um, provoke right now is like what your gut answer is. What's in your gut? How would you know if you were living the blessed life? Just take a second. Let whatever's in your gut to come out. How would you know if you were living the blessed life? Maybe if you were honest, uh, you would uh, answer something like material things, like a certain kind of house, a certain, living in a certain kind of neighborhood, having uh, certain material possessions. Uh, but maybe it, you wouldn't answer materially. Maybe it's like something else. Maybe it's like having a certain kind of family, uh, having a certain kind of thing called happiness, having a certain kind of feeling. 
Maybe the, the blessed life is uh, a life uh, of maybe just of peace and leisure. How would you know if you were living the blessed life? Another question is, as you think about that, as you think about your, uh, maybe even your pursuit of the blessed life, what kinds of things do you perceive are barriers to achieving the blessed life? Is it uh, things that are going on in the world that are outside of your control? Is it uh, things that are going on in your own life, uh, within your family, uh, maybe within your health, that's outside of your control? Uh, Maybe there are circumstances that that you perceive are in your control, and uh, you're continually frustrated at yourself because you just can't be the kind of person who can remove the barrier to live the blessed life? What barriers keep you from experiencing the blessed life? Christ the King, we live in a world that doesn't uh, help us well answer that question. Help us answer that question well. Uh, We live in a world where uh, all of the Hallmark Channel answers don't get us very far. You know? Maybe they get us through tonight. Maybe they get us through tomorrow night and the next night. But uh, when we get back to work uh, the next day, we're hit with it again. Or maybe they get us through one more night with our family, but if we have to spend two more nights with our family, <laughs> then we're hit with the reality again. Christ the King, in, in, in this world, tonight, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we hear the good news that Mary proclaims. The good news of the Incarnation. We hear the good news of the Incarnation that Mary proclaims, and it's this. That God is redeeming the world by becoming lowly in Christ. Mary proclaims the good news that God is redeeming the world by becoming lowly in Christ. And this revolutionary act of incarnation changes everything. This revolutionary act of incarnation changes everything. It signals a reversal. It signals a reversal of what it means to be called blessed. This is what Mary sees and proclaims to us and says yes to. Christ is redeeming the world by becoming lowly. This is a revolutionary act that changes everything. It means a reversal of what it means to call blessed. In, uh, in Luke's gospel, uh, we read that he says in, in chapter 1 that in those days, in those days, Mary went with haste into the hill country In those days, in those days. Uh, Part of what Luke is is doing here is is drawing our attention uh, to the kind of situation in which God's redemption, his salvation was breaking into the world. It wasn't just in any old time. It wasn't just uh, when everything was going uh, Mary's way or, or uh, the Israel's way. It wasn't because someone won the lottery. It wasn't because of a promotion. It was in those days, in those days, when Israel continued to exist under the foreign occupation of Rome, when Caesar uh, was 
uh, proclaimed Lord. And when he was taking a census and, and, and uh, uh, counting his terrain, when uh, Quirinius was governor, when there was a constant reminder of Rome's presence, of the occupation and, and oppression of Rome for Israel, in those days when, when Herod was king, Herod, this guy who had spent uh, riches and, and tons and tons of money um, to build this fabulous palace, when the rich kept getting richer and the poor kept getting poorer in those days. Luke is, is saying, the way that Luke is saying it is, is not just uh, for your information, but he's saying that, that God's redemption... God's salvation, God's inbreaking of his kingdom in the world is happening even in those days. Even in those days, Mary went with haste into the hill country after receiving what was probably uh, terrifying news. That she, although she wasn't married, was going to be having a baby and that that this was God's doing. After receiving terrible and seemingly impossible news that she said yes to. That she said, let it be to me according to your word. Mary, in those days, in the midst of terrifying and impossible news that was going to move her even lower down the scale of society. To where not only was she a Jewish uh, woman, teenage girl, but now she was a pregnant Jewish woman, teenage girl, out of wedlock in a small town. Are you feeling me? In those days, after saying yes to the terrifying, impossible news, Mary went with haste into the hill country. And Mary went with haste to be with uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, uh, to be with her, uh, her family. Uh, a few little details here to set the scene for what's going on. Um, part, partly we might imagine this, like, like Mary running off by herself, um, kind of showing up in secret, having this private conversation uh, with Elizabeth, and then, and then giving this little soliloquy, which is the, what the church has called the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. But probably, it's probably likely that all of this was happening in public. This is a very public thing that's happening. You see, Mary, a teenage girl, would have never even gone outside the home uh, by herself, like even to the market. Like she would always be accompanied. So it's highly unlikely that Mary would have run off in the, in the middle of the day or the middle of the night to go 70 miles to the hill country from Nazareth through rough terrain on her own. She was probably going with a team of people. When she arrived at Zechariah's house, people knew that she was coming. Even if she didn't, it's all that more amazing that a teenage girl tracked, hiked 70 miles through rough terrain to make it to her family's house. And when she shows up, this would have been a very, a very public thing. She wouldn't have slipped in through the back door. Um, there would have been a big public greeting. It would have all been out there. This, uh, this interaction between her and Elizabeth wouldn't have been a private conversation. It would have been a conversation that all uh, of Everyone uh, in Zechariah's household, so we're not just talking immediate family, we're talking about like probably dozens of people who are in this household, who are all around, who would have seen what's happening. Uh, uh, Elizabeth coming out and saying that, that Mary, the one who is the younger, that she is blessed. And then Mary comes in this very public uh, thing, and she gives what was probably 
less like a private soliloquy where she's kind of like waxing eloquent by the moonlight by herself and probably more like a sermon, a public, prophetic poem given in the hearing of everyone in Zechariah's household. And so there she was, giving this, singing this poem about God's radical, liberating activity. And what Mary has to say about God's radical, liberating activity is describing what God's salvation is all about. What Mary is saying here is not an exception to what God's salvation is all about. It's actually characteristic. It's indicative of what God is bringing in the world. Luke, the gospel writer, is putting it here at the very beginning of his gospel to say everything that you're going to see coming, all of Jesus' his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection are all going to be unfolding this song that Mary is singing. It's all unfolding and bringing into realization God's radical, liberating activity. And moreover, Mary sees... Mary sees that God's redeeming activity meant that she, that she of all people, is called blessed. In Mary's world, especially given her now circumstance of being this pregnant girl outside of wedlock, she was not the kind of person who would be called blessed. On the social scale of Mary's world, she was pretty close to the bottom. She was not one that people would say, when I'm living my blessed life, when I'm living my good life, I'm going to be like Mary. But Mary sees that of all people, she is called blessed. And so Mary sings that God is a powerful deliverer. He's liberator of the poor and the lowly. God is casting down the proud. And because God is acting in and through her lowly and humble place, she is blessed. Even though by all other measurements in her world, she is at the bottom. Mary sees the implications of the incarnation and says yes. We with Mary tonight are invited to see the implications of the incarnation and say yes. To say, let it be to me according to your word. And the implication, the big implication of the incarnation that Mary sees is this, is that when God becomes flesh in Christ, this reverses the world's power to determine the blessed life. When God takes on flesh in Christ, this reverses the world's power to determine, to be the definer of what the blessed life looks like. There's a new life coming into the world that God is bringing in Christ. Everything has changed. Redemptive possibility, the possibility of God's salvation and his forgiveness and his new life and his restoration now invades the reality of human frailty and brokenness. That is the implication of the incarnation that Mary sees and says yes to. That redemptive possibility is now shot through all of our human frailty and brokenness. Mary rejoices because her humble estate, all the crazy stuff going on in her life, she sees is not a barrier to what God is doing in the world, but is actually the very avenue through which God's redemption is flowing. 
The very things that would have caused the world to look on her and say that she is not blessed, those are the very things. All that lowly and poor stuff, all that stuff that doesn't register at all on Instagram, all of that stuff is not a barrier to the blessed life, but is actually the avenue through which God's redemption was flowing, is flowing, and will continue to flow until his kingdom comes again in Christ. This new reality raises the lowly and lowers the powerful and privileged, Mary says. It empties the empire, the oppressors, and the proud of their power to determine reality. In this radical sermon that this teenage, this pregnant teenage girl preached was in Zechariah's house. Don't forget that of all the people in this initial scene, the one with the most uh, privilege uh, the one that, who should have been the one to be saying all the right things, the one who was in charge, that guy was Zechariah, and that guy, remember, was mute. And so remember, catch this, this is one of, those, one of those subtle ways that Luke is bringing to our attention what's happening, that the guy who should have been the one ordained by God to be mediating what God's word was, what his message was, his presence to God's people, that guy, all that he could do was stand in silence and listen to what all that he knew, his pregnant teenager's radical revolutionary sermon. He could just listen. That's all he could do, was just listen. And so it occurred to me, as I was preparing for this sermon, that the person who I am most like is Zechariah. And so, join with me in listening to a poem. When I was very young... Had I heard the news such as Gabriel's to Mary, I too would have packed my bags in a quick hurry and made my way through the hills to that Tennessee River bottomland where my favorite aunt lived. On a journey like that, I would come to know that hills have voices and bottomlands have memories. One might hear the swish of my dress as I made a way through the crowd. And as I made a way through the whispers that always rise up from a land and a people. Voices layered with war and want. Years of failed crops and secrets. Wrong alliances and strong family names. Passing by townies and those along the trail. No voices would be needed for me to know that I would be beneath all others but the livestock and small children. How many words might my uncle speak could they have opened their mouths? Who would my earthly father say that I am? Would I not already know before hearing the answer? Then too, had I heard Gabriel's news, those voices, both inner and outer, mystical and familial, all would not matter. Maybe I, too, would begin to hum. Maybe I, too, would ponder such awesome things in my heart that my own voice began to rise up in a song to magnify God who greets a nobody girl with the gift of eternal blessedness. 
from now all generations, from now on all generations will call me blessed, I might sing. And I might consider that to others it would have sounded like pride. But to the one who's heard the word of God and wants that word to be done in her life, I would know it clearly that the greatest expression of humility is boldness and confidence to do as the Lord has said, to sing, to carry, to journey knowing Abraham's promise is alive in me. Though I be seen as harlot, humility is singing truth when the rest of the world reels in an impossible time. When I arrived at my aunt's house, I would sing her that song that had arisen from me because I know that she would love it. And it would echo out again and again in every tongue by smallest children, barren women and slaves, mountain people through the bush and from gutters, through popes, saints and reformers, queens and kings, through farmers and men in fancy suits in literature and paintings all the way here to this day, to this people in Fayetteville, Arkansas, now known as Christ the King. Is there not a leap within us too? Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. We proclaim it with Elizabeth. Listen. Born in Mary is God's word to us that we each are no longer in simile with sanitary pads. But rather, God's word to us is that human beings are meant to bear his blessedness. By the Spirit, we bear the presence of God, and the bearing makes us good. He, it means he intended us for good, to be with him as beloved. Particularly, think of God's starting place when the reversal of kingdom powers began. Think of how he entered a female body, her very womb, and thereby called her good. The very part of me for which some may blame my hysteria, the innermost part of me that was created to crave and co-create, the very anatomy of female difference is where God made the fruition of his love begin. We are not dirty. No more. Not the egg, nor the seed. Mary's was the first torn veil. Hers were the seven sorrows yet to be lived. She was yet to see her heart walk outside of her body as a child of God. What secret works of love are born within each of us, too? An ability to bear fruit like ones who've taken in growing God's seed. With the zygote's endless doubling, a lifetime of rejection reverses to an eternity of blessedness. Mary, you are indeed full of grace, for the creator of the universe was within you. Your yes is ours too. We can believe the word spoken because we too are born of the same seed. Adam's yes, but Yahweh's more. Adam. Your seed has been redeemed. 
Eve, you no longer have to long for fruit that is not yours. You get to bear your own. For nothing is impossible with God, not even in those days, which were the impossible days of Caesar Augustus and Quirinius, not even in the days of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, or Herod, was a thing impossible for God. Today is still those days. These are impossible days. But the word has been spoken, children of God, seed of his love, you too can magnify God and believe the word he has spoken to you. He loves you. You were made to bear his fruit. And the fruit of Trinity scatters pride, brings down the mighty from thrones, and fills the hungry with good things. The fruit of the Trinity makes room for the least likely prophets. Let us raise our voices to him and sing the song of reversal. Let us sing the song of Mary and bring those old voices to a hush. Amen. Christ the King. The invitation tonight is that we can see with Mary the implications of the incarnation and we can say yes. The good news is that in the incarnation God takes on lowly flesh. And among other things, that means that there is a reversal of what the blessed life is all about. God meets us, his redemption meets us right in the impossibility of our lives, in human frailty and brokenness. Tonight, we can say yes. God, in Christ, is casting down the proud and lifting up the lowly. And that's good news. I don't know how that hits you. God is casting down the proud and lifting up the lowly. And that is good news even for the proud. That's good news even for the proud like me. And it's good news because what it means is that there's a deeper truth. There's a deeper life. There's a deeper love. There's a deeper blessed life that does not come through ego, through power, through privilege, through taking it from and over others. There's a deeper blessed life that's available to us. We can rejoice. Even though these days are like those days. Even though that to rejoice that people like Mary are blessed is countercultural and nonsensical in so many ways. I mean, we could just look at the details of our life the facts of our life, it's nonsensical to proclaim the good news that people like Mary are blessed. It does not compute in so many ways. Some of us will struggle to see. Some of us will struggle to see. Because to join with Mary in recognizing these implications will always mean seeing and living against the grain of what the world tells us is the blessed life. 
living against the grain, seeing against the grain of all of the stories about what the good life and the blessed life is. Like, this is a hard thing. We will struggle to see because what we see out there is not the automatic fulfillment of this. As long as we live in between Christ's first coming and his second coming, it will always be difficult to see. But tonight, we can. We can see and we can say yes. Some of us will struggle to see. Zechariah struggled to see. People like Zechariah, like me, will struggle to see. Those with worldly privilege and power will always struggle to see. If, if I've spent my entire life gaining status and ego by winning and jumping out ahead over others, I will struggle to see. If I live most of my life protected from my own pain and from the pain of others, I will struggle to see. That's why this is good news for the proud. Because we're, we're acknowledging the good news that it's actually not better for us to live cut off from our pain and from the, pains of, from the pain of others. Because this is the avenue that's not a barrier to God's redemption, but actually the very avenue through which God's redemption flows. Tonight, the point is that God's redemption is arriving in Christ. Some of us, those of us who are more like Mary, who are of humble estate, who know what it means to be in need, to hunger for God's redemption, those of us will more quickly see and say yes. But many of us who are self-righteous, who are self-sufficient, who are self-secured, we need to listen to Mary. So this is what I'm affirming. For me, what I'm affirming is the best thing that could happen to me this season, this Advent. The best thing that could happen to me is that God would scatter my ego. That God would scatter my pride. That God would scatter my privilege in some, in some way that I, am not, that I don't understand or that I'm not awake to. And what's important about that, what's important that I see, is, is that I still need to say yes. Because even if God, uh, no matter the circumstances, even if God scatters my ego and pride and my privilege, uh, it's not too hard for me to double down on all those things and just try harder. But the invitation is that there are these little windows in our lives, these little places, these little moments in our life where our, where our ego, where, where our, our, our privilege, where our pride is being scattered. And in those little moments... Where the, where the pride in our life is being scattered, we can say yes. We can see the implications of the incarnation and say yes. So today, we're invited to say yes. When I'm losing control, I can say, let it be to me according to your word. When my plans are thwarted, I can say, let it be to me according to your word. When I don't get the promotion or someone else wins or, or someone else gets out ahead of me, I can say, let it be to me according to your word. When things don't go my way, when I'm frustrated at myself and for another time, I just don't do the things that I want to be doing, I can say, let it be to me according to your word. When I face disappointments of various types, I can say, let it be to me according to your word. Because God's redemption is flowing tonight. So I invite you to respond. Uh, friends and, and family of, of Christ the King, one of the things that, 